0: Be free. What do you think? Are you free? Free from what you say? Well, we're going to see what it means to totally be free the way the Lord wants us to be free. That's right. That's here today on New Hope Radio. We've been in a series entitled Souped Up Christians. Trying to get an idea what a souped up Christian looks like. Looks like, you know, like a souped up car. A souped-up Christian is tuned up. Oh, yeah, you got to be tuned up, right? Perfect pitch, perfect will. How do you know if you're tuned up? Because you say things like, not my will, but thy will be done. A souped-up Christian has real faith. Not fleece faith, always looking for signs and wonders, but real faith that comes from believing God's Word. A souped-up Christian is beautiful. You know why? Because they're a, ref- a reflection of God. And God is beautiful. Well, we come to the last installment of our series, Souped Up Christians, this could be one of the most important things that we need to learn about our Christian life. And being souped up, we're going to learn today, a souped up Christian, here it comes, is free. A souped up Christian is free. What does it mean to be free? We want to see that today. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, you remember him, right? He prophesied about Jesus when Jesus would come. He said in his little book, the 61st chapter in verse 1, he said, and he's, he's, he's quoting what Jesus would read from that book when he was in the synagogue. And Jesus read about himself what Isaiah wrote. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Oh, I like that. I like that fourfold ministry of Jesus. Do you see yourself in need of any of those ministries? Good news because you're afflicted, being healed and bound up because you're brokenhearted, having liberty because you feel captive by something, or do you need freedom because you're a prisoner? That's what Jesus came to do. So, what does it mean to be free? I like what one man said. He said, Every generation of Americans. Needs to know that freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. That's freedom. It's not always doing what you like, but you've got the right to do what you ought. We're living in a day and age today where people, they don't seem to be doing what they ought. They're doing what they like. And sadly, what they like, it's not what they ought. <laughs> It is not. It's not the right thing. Now, an interesting event took place a number of years ago. Contemporary thought believed that fences around playgrounds made the children feel restricted in their playtime. So you know what they did? They removed the fences. And what they discovered was that the children actually played closer to the middle of the playground. They developed a sense of insecurity. The fences were replaced, and the children played with a greater enthusiasm and freedom. See, sometimes we think fences, or rules, or prohibitions, they restrict us. The reality is that they give us a sense of security, which in turn produces freedom. That's what it does. You know, in Christ we have freedom, but in Christ we have what? Boundaries. Within those boundaries, we have all the freedom we need. Outside of those boundaries, you know what there is? Bondage. Oh yeah. I like to look at freedom in the life of the souped up Christian from four different perspectives. Number one, how we get freedom. Number two, what we are free from. Number three, uh oh, the misuse of freedom. And number four, the outcome of our freedom. Okay? Four simple aspects of freedom. Let's take them one by one. How we get our freedom. You want to be free? How do you get it? John 8, 31. Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, now they were already believing, right? And he said, if you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. See, the Christian life has a constancy to it. You've got to be Constant. You've got to be continual, consistent. Anything you want to be good at, you've got to be consistent with it. Practice makes perfect, right? If you're consistent in your Christian walk, you'll get very good at it. But if you're not consistent, eh, you're not going to be that good. I mean, you want to go to a concert played by a violinist that is consistent or not consistent in their practicing. (laughs) Verse 32, Jesus said, If you continue in my word... You'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Oh, I like that. The word free means liberated. Real freedom is found in Jesus Christ and His Word. There are people in bondage today, and they can get out. Oh, yes, they can. You need the Lord Jesus, and you need His Word. Oh, they're in bondage to compulsive behaviors. They're in bondage to substance abuse. They're in bondage to low self-worth, low self-esteem. They're in bondage to peer pressure. You name it. Oh, bondage? It comes in all kinds of ways, all shapes and sizes. But there's one cure. The Lord Jesus and His Word. You get serious with that, and He will break you free. Remember, a big part of freedom is the liberty to do the right thing. And bondage is because we haven't been doing the right thing and it gets more control over us. And then Jesus said, if the sun makes you free, you will be free indeed. I oh, like that. You'll be like extra free. <laughs> if the sun makes you free, you'll be extra free. You'll have the ability to think right, to speak right, to do right. See, that's a place of joy. If you substitute the word right with the word wrong, you get disaster. Think wrong, speak wrong, do wrong. That's disaster. Think right, speak right, do right. That's joy. Secondly, what are you free from? What is it we want to be free from? Well, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8-2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, what's the law of the Spirit? The energy given to desire and do God's will. That's the law of the Spirit. The Spirit is the power source of the Christian life. He's the one that gives us the, not only the energy, but the desire to do God's will. Let me ask you, do you have the energy? Do you have the desire? You need them both. What's the law of sin and death? That's the enslaving power of that corrupt principle, which results in death. You know what it is? It's that thing that you do that goes against your conscience, but you do it anyway. Do you ever have those? The conscience is saying, don't do it, but you do it anyway. Anyway. The alarm goes off, warning, warning. But you do it anyway. And then, after you do it, something inside of you dies. That's the payment. That's the payment of that sin. You die on the inside. Regret and shame, you know what they do? They come alive. You die on the inside, and regret and shame come alive and they begin to overshadow you and the regret and the shame oh it just it drives you down that's why paul could say in second corinthians 3:17 where the spirit of the lord is that's the holy spirit there is liberty liberty is freedom jesus came as we read to set the captives free but the question today am i free if you're free, beautiful. If you're not, oh no, what do you do? You get Christ in your life and you go in his word. And that'll make you free indeed. So now that you have Christ, you don't have to submit to the power of sin. And by the way, I love Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned. See, a believer is not condemned. They could suffer the consequences of what they do, but they're not condemned by God. You never lose your good standing with God. But you can you can experience the consequences of your bad choices. Because all choices have consequences. Either good or bad. It's like a rule of life, isn't it? Every choice I make, it's either going to have a good result or it's going to have a bad result. But with God, we still stand not condemned. We still stand innocent before God because Christ paid for that. But there will be repercussions. Oh, yeah. It could be our health. It could be relationships. It could be finances. Whatever that bad choice was, then we will suffer the consequences of that bad choice. But we don't have to live under the power that makes bad choices. We can now live under the power of God's Spirit. So this leads me to number three, the misuse of freedom. See, we have freedom, but we can use it the wrong way. That's why Paul said to those Galatians, for you are called to freedom, brethren. See, they're Christians, right? You are called to freedom, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Just because you're saved, don't go out there and live like the devil. That's not what freedom is for. Freedom is not for you to destroy your life. Freedom is for you to enhance your life. Freedom gives you the opportunity to draw closer to God, not to run from Him. But in our freedom, we have the choice. You run to Him, you'll be blessed. You run from from Him, you'll suffer the consequences. So he said, do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Now, the word opportunity, you know what that means? A starting point. Don't use your opportunity as a starting point to get your flesh to take over. Everything has a beginning. That which is good has a small beginning, and that which is wicked has a small beginning as well. Everything has a beginning. Don't use your freedom as a beginning for what? As a beginning for the power of the flesh to begin to take over. We need to see sin and the fruit of it as bondage. If you don't see it, you're going to fall into it. If you don't see your sin as bondage, you're going to continue to speak evil. Oh, yeah. That lousy talk. That rotten talk. You'll continue to do it. You'll also use your freedom to fall into bondage to what? Overindulge. Overindulge in what? Anything. Anything at all. You can overindulge in spending. You can overindulge in eating. Overindulge in drinking. You can overindulge in pampering yourself. You can overindulge in spreading negativity about someone. Whatever you indulge to do, you can over-indulge. And when we're not balanced, we're over, and that reaps consequences. You can be in bondage to loving yourself more than others. Want to get in trouble? Love yourself more than others. Don't use your freedom as a starting point to love yourself more than other people. That's what an opportunity is. It's a starting point. And it'll feed your temper. It's a starting point of too many drinks. It's a starting point when you're mistreated, how react how you react against it. It doesn't take much to get you going, and you become a prisoner to your flesh all over again. And that that freedom that Jesus died to give you, it's gone. It's all gone. Because you used your freedom the wrong way. You used your freedom as a starting point to give power to your flesh. Instead of, where Paul said, through love, serve one another. That's a good use of freedom. Through love, serve one another. We also misuse our freedom when our liberty offends someone else. You can use a freedom and flaunt it in someone's face that doesn't have the same freedom. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 8. He said, take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. See, you might be strong in one area and someone's weak in an area, And your freedom, your liberty, can be a stumbling block to them. Now, in the Apostle Paul's day, he was talking about food. Christians were free to eat meat offered to idols. But if it offended another believer who felt it was wrong, then Paul said, there's no liberty in that, don't do it. So if your conscience says, ah, man, those idols don't exist. I go down to the pagan butcher shop, shop, I buy a nice piece of ham. Well, not ham, you can't buy ham. <laughs> Not in those days. I'll go get a pound of hamburger. We're going to have a barbecue. But they said it was off at the idols. It's like, no, I don't care. You know why? Because those idols don't exist. It's, it's fiction. And you can take it home and eat it. But if you're inviting someone to the barbecue and they believe that that hamburger that was sacrificed for idols is taboo and they would, withd- withd- they would, withd- um, abstain from it, don't use your liberty to throw it in their face. Use your liberty to, its, to abstain from it also for the sake of love. Don't cause them to stumble. So you go somewhere else and buy meat that wasn't offered to idols. You see? When you live in love, you're thinking of the well-being of the other person. That's all. It's called living in love. Now today, the issue wouldn't be meat offered to idols. It could be something else. It could be gambling which I I don't think is right for anybody. I think it's just stupid. But some people feel I have the right to go gamble. Okay, but if it offends someone else, don't bring them. Maybe the main one would be drinking. Does the Bible forbid drinking? No. It forbids drunkenness. But it doesn't forbid drinking. People have to go by their own conscience. But if you're at your barbecue and you're serving alcohol and you're inviting people that believe alcohol is wrong, then you know what? You don't serve it. Why? For the sake of love. You're abstaining for their sake. Or don't invite them. Just invite drinkers. Don't invite them. But you see, if someone is offended by your liberty, then you don't have a liberty anymore. That's what Paul is saying. If you have a liberty in an area, but it offends another person, that liberty becomes sin if you use it to put a stumbling block in front of them. That's the key. That's living in love. So any activity that another Christian doesn't have the liberty to do in their own conscience, don't throw it in their face. Don't flaunt it. Love says, I will abstain for you. I don't think it's wrong for me, but if you think it's wrong for you, I will abstain for you while we're together. That's love. See, that's real freedom. If you you are enslaved, then you're in bondage. And if you can't abstain for love, that's bondage, and you're not free. Freedom is the ability to say no to your liberty, okay? Freedom is the ability to say no to your liberty. A liberty means I don't have to use it all the time. If I have to use it all the time, it's now become bondage, Your liberty is now controlling you, and you're in bondage when you don't control it. I like that. Okay, finally, the fourth aspect of freedom, the outcome. What's the outcome of freedom? Well, James mentions this in James 2, verse 12. He said, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. Now, the law of liberty, it's the general law of love, and he's saying, here's how you should live your life, as you're going to be judged by the law of love. I don't think we realize how alienated we were from God before salvation. We were so far from God, everybody is, before salvation. We are completely alienated and lost. Like Paul said in Colossians 1, you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Alienated means estranged, estranged from God, hostile and adversary of God. But then in the next verse he says, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. He reconciled us. That means He he brought us into relationship with Him. He bridged the gap where we were alienated. He became the bridge, and He drew us to Himself through faith. As we believed in Him and His work on the cross, we were reconciled back to God, and we were given true freedom. See, before Christ, we're all slaves. We're all in bondage to the sin nature but not through Christ, we have attained a new liberty, a new freedom. So let me summarize this today, because I think this is really important for us. That number one, why did Jesus come? He came to set the captives free. We read that in Isaiah 61, right? He came to set the captives free. He came and lived on this earth and suffered and died to set us free. We should not take that lightly. Secondly, our salvation is the basis of this freedom. The freedom begins the moment you're saved. The moment you accept Christ as your Savior, boom, you're free. That freedom kicks in. Thirdly, we experience this freedom if we continue in our relationship with Christ and in His Word. That's how we do it. You've got to continue to walk with God, walk with the Lord Jesus, and stay in His Word. Don't just hear it, abide in it. Let it become your marching orders, because it always leads to life. One man said, freedom standing by itself inevitably generates into license. License which unbridled freedom quickly becomes the enemy of freedom." Wow! So, freedom by itself. What is freedom by itself? Without the Word of God, it becomes license. Then that becomes unbridled freedom, which is the enemy of freedom. How about that? Unbridled freedom is the enemy of freedom. That means our freedom is under our control. We have a disciplined freedom. Your freedom is not without discipline. It's with discipline. And the more disciplined we are, here it comes, the more free we are. Did you get that? The more disciplined we are, the more free we are. Bondage comes from lack of discipline. Freedom comes from discipline. Fourthly, we've been made free from the law of sin and death, that enslaving power of the flesh, is no longer your master, because now you've got the power of the Spirit. Fifthly, you have liberty in Christ to do as you ought. You have liberty in Christ to do as you ought to do. If you always want to do what you like to do, you'll be in deep trouble. But if you always do as you ought to do, you'll always come out on top. Number six, in the end, we will be judged by how we used our freedom. We will. We're going to be judged by that. And we'll be compensated accordingly. Do you know that there's a divine compensation that waits for you in eternity? Oh, yeah, there is. And it's based on, okay, what did I do with the freedom that God gave me? Was I disciplined? Was I undisciplined? Was I bridled? Was I unbridled? And even our life on earth will bear the marks. Your life will bear the marks of how you use your freedom. And again, I'm talking about Christians. Yes, generally speaking, it applies to everybody, but non-believers don't have the freedom believers have. They don't have it because they're still under the power of the flesh. But once you become renewed in the Spirit through faith in Christ, something happens. You become born anew. You're made a new creation, It's the Bible says. And along with that new creation comes a new freedom. So what do we need to do? We need to continue to walk with Christ and then abide in His Word. You think you can do that? Can you walk with Christ and abide in His Word? It's that simple, isn't it? It's that simple. Sometimes we complicate it. We think, oh, we're going to do all these things. No, do two things. Walk with Christ. Abide in His Word. You know what? Everything will take care of itself. It'll bless your family. It'll bless your health. It'll bless your job. It'll bless your friendships, your relationships, everything you do. It'll filter into all aspects of life. Walk with Christ abide in His Word. Hey, I get something to help you do that. Oh, yeah! I can help you walk with Christ and abide in His Word. Join the Hope Club. You'll get an email devotional audio file Monday through Friday. It'll pick you up, get you started on the right foot for the day. Go to New Hope Live. No, Radio.live okay? newhoperadio.live. Click the menu button and then click join the Hope Club. It'll take you from there. Thanks for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.